through his demeanor, actions, and presence, he presented himself to others, turning to speech as a last resort. Not because he couldn't find the right words, but because there were not nearly enough of them to express the great depth of his understanding or feeling. So you want to talk about action when it comes to the book. Of course, you want to know about that. I think action in a novel can be hard. It can be hard because, you know, you have to really make, you have to design the scene to where it's going to, one, focus the reader where you want the focus to be because unlike film or television or some type of visual medium to where you can see you know a director can say i want to have a specific shot of somebody getting kicked or punched or or this happening you know you can't do that on the page you can the reader can really only see one thing at a time as you present them in words you know, i mean you can set the scene and everything but it can be a little bit tricky so i knew that early on I wanted the action sequences in the book to depict some of my favorite types of action and, and that I like in any medium that I consume. So video games, movies, things like that. So it takes a lot of work to get it right on the page. And that was a, it was a real challenge for me. It was something that I approached kind of with caution because... Even in my writings, like in my journals, I hadn't really done much action writing, you know. So it was it was kind of a new frontier for me. So as I mentioned in a previous session, the novel was heavily inspired by JRPGs or Japanese role-playing games. And in a typical JRPG, battles are a huge part of the main experience. You know, players can spend dozens of hours grinding to increase their stats through battles, especially in some of those old school RPGs, you know, random encounters. Oh, my God. <laughs> those of you who know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about old school RPGs. You know, key story points often play out with battles. So it's a big part of the experience. And it's the same way with Sirius and Lemnick. A lot of the action in the novel was inspired by, from three main sources. It's Japanese anime, uh, American kind of action sequences, and actually Chinese dramas. And then there's, <laughs> there's one actual fourth category that I'll go into more later in the session. So, but those are the main categories of action in Sirius and Limnik. So first I'll start by talking about the anime influence, um, Japanese culture, because I, I think I mentioned a while back that I used to live in Japan and when I was in the military and I talked about how my degree was, you know, it's Asian studies, so I had a minor in Japanese, so I was exposed to a lot of Japanese culture um, back when I was younger. So even though I was... <laughs> 
exposed to Japanese culture a lot. I'm still not like a huge fan of anime, like especially now. Like anime is everywhere now. I mean, Netflix is is pumping them out. Um, you know, you can just go online, go on YouTube. Um, it's kind of been exported to different. I know there's a bunch of American companies that do like anime style influence. You know, Avatar: The Last Airbender. There was this one. I forget what it's called on Netflix. It was like a Mexican influence, but it was very anime heavy. I watched it last year. Uh, I, I can't remember the name, but it was like they were like Kung Fu, the three friends. Uh, they were all martial artists, and I thought it was really cool. Very anime influenced, but really good. So bottom line is anime is kind of everywhere nowadays. You don't really have to watch pure Japanese anime to get the influence. Um, but yeah, I've never been like a huge fan of it. And I think that surprises some people when they, you know, when they meet me personally, you know, knowing, especially after you read Sirius and Limnik, you'll see that it does borrow some of the style of action of anime or just some of the characters, you know, some of the, the poses, some of the story beats. It's very anime. Of course, it's, it's inspired by JRPGs and JRPGs are inspired by anime as well. So that's not to say I don't like anime, but it's just that. I don't, I don't go out of my way to actively watch it. So in the end, I think fans of uh, Japanese anime and culture and that kind of style will definitely relate to what I've put to the novel in Sirius and Limnik. So the next style of action that I talked about, that I alluded to in the beginning, in the intro, was uh, the American style of action, which, you know... We're Americans, so we like we like our guns, you know, like a lot of uh, con countries overseas, you know, they're not as gun crazy as we are. But yeah, man, people are gun crazy over here. And I I'm a fan of guns as well, you know, in the military, of course, I've, I've shot my fair share of firearms. So I know my way around a couple of different weapons. And I definitely put that into the novel. You know, I think in the future, I think in a lot of science fiction, you see stuff with lasers and things like that. It, I don't, I, I have to admit, I, I'm not very original when it comes to the type of weaponry that I put into the novel. You know, there's lasers, but then of course there's still uh, conventional firearms, right? You've got M4s, you've got, um, yeah, I feel like those things are still around um, in in the future. I feel like they're not going anywhere. I mean, what are you going to do with all these rounds, right? What, <laughs> they're just, there's a ton of them. There's millions of rounds of ammunition, so I think they're still going to be around. But I have a military component to the novel, which I'll talk about in a later session more about how my military experience influenced certain characters and certain scenarios. But action-wise, there's definitely uh, that style of gunplay, and there's... Uh, there's a particularly huge battle scene that I, I won't spoil, of course, but it's very military style, a la like uh, Saving Private Ryan or things like that. You know, it's, it's a conventional military battle. So I grew up on a lot of those movies. And of course, being a military veteran myself, I'm just kind of familiar with how certain battles need to be arranged and things like that. And it was a fun scene to write, too, because I actually mapped out the battle you know i kind of made positions and things like that it was like playing risk uh for those of you familiar the board game so um 
it was a lot of fun to to construct that particular scene in there. But I think fans of that style of action will be in for a pleasant surprise. So I can't remember if I mentioned on this podcast or not that I'm actually learning Mandarin Chinese right now. I'm actively learning, like I'm using Squitter Chinese pretty much every day and learning, I don't know, just uh, four or five new characters every day, but I'm also reviewing older ones, right? And I've been doing this. I kind of started it as a pandemic activity, but I, I've really picked it up and my skills have really grown. I, I took some lessons on italki with a tutor. Um, yeah, shout out to Billy <laughs> if you're listening, but yeah, so it was, it's been a lot of fun. So part of that, that Chinese, you know, education, self-education has been watching Chinese dramas. So I started maybe last year watching them. Uh, so it was new to me. I'd never watched, I didn't grow up watching Chinese dramas, you know, grew up in Texas that just weren't around. But now they've become a lot more easy to access with streaming services and such. So the deal with Chinese dramas is, you know, I feel like it's very, because I, you know, like I just mentioned, I grew up uh, in college. I was watching anime and, you know, being in Japanese culture and being exposed to it, going to Chinese culture, there's definitely some overlap with the, the styles, but there's this different, there's a couple of different nuances, the way Chinese dramas um, handle action. Um, it's a lot more, it's hard to describe, but there's, there's just a flowiness to it. You know, like a lot of things in Chinese culture, there's this kind of a, there's an art to it that, I mean, it's there in anime, but it's not as emphasized as it is in Chinese drama. So I, I wanted to bring some of that to Sirius and Limnik. There's not as much, but it's it's there. And I've really just kind of <laughs> fallen in love with the medium. I mean, my wife and I have probably watched over a dozen Chinese dramas since last year. It's really, it's really fun, you know, um, just <laughs> getting to share that with her. Some are silly, some are really dramatic, some are really emotional and impactful. And I, I wanted, I've been kind of influenced. That's probably been the, the style of action that I've been watching and keeping up with most in the last few years is these Chinese dramas and there's been more and more of them thanks to Netflix and Amazon and things like that they've been coming to the US so um, I think if you like bottom line is if you like Chinese dramas uh, you'll you'll find some of that in here as well I, I won't spoil anything in particular but I think you're you're in for uh, a treat when you read the novel I alluded to a fourth category of of action in the novel in the intro of this up of this session and th that action is in the form of actually debates it's not I guess <laughs> some people wouldn't consider it action at all but I I do and this is a this is a huge part of the story for me because like I said you know I think I've repeated it in several sessions that I'm a teacher at the end of the day and I want people to walk away 
thinking about something after having read this novel. You know, I hope they have a good time. I hope they enjoy it. But at the end of the day, the point of me writing it was to kind of bring awareness to certain issues and certain thoughts, certain ideological arguments. So, and that's, in using that word, that's how the, the battles, and I'm using air quotes over here, you can't see me, but that's how the battles come up. It's kind of these arguments, or I don't want to call them arguments, it's debates between certain characters on different issues. So I thought this would be a good way to to build tension in a different way than just conventional fighting action. And I, I think it worked. I think some of the scenes, uh, some of the people that have read already the novel have said, those are some of the strongest scenes where we have one of the main characters, actually the, the antagonist, uh, his name is Janus. He kind of has this extreme viewpoint when it comes to certain things involving capitalism, involving media and things like that. So he really pushes that on a lot of the characters and he'll end up in these kind of battles where they're talking about these issues. So I think that's a, it was a, it was a good way to, to present the issues, to build character and to build tension at the same time. So I hope uh, readers really get a lot out of those, out of those scenes. You know, I have to admit, I was kind of influenced when I was writing this by uh, the Phoenix Wright games. I don't know if you're familiar with the Phoenix Wright games, but essentially, Phoenix Wright is a lawyer. So the games involve him, um, his involvement in various criminal cases. So the whole point of the game is, is, is to, is to uh, get Phoenix Wright to solve the case. But you're a lawyer, so a lot of the action takes place in the courtroom. And just like any lawyer, you know, you have access to case files and evidence and photographs and all these different things. And, and you have to kind of... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of the game. The game is really funny. If you've never played these games, go and check it out. I think they've put it on Switch recently. But... Uh, because, you know, they have these, it's known for it's kind of these quirky characters, and Phoenix Wright himself is very quirky, but the characters, like the people involved with the cases are very quirky. So as you go through a trial sequence, you kind of have this questioning phase where they start out, maybe they don't know much, maybe they're lying to you, this and that, and as you kind of escalate and get further along in each case... <laughs> I just laugh. You have to go play one of these games. You'll see the characters just kind of, they do this goofy thing. They start sweating. They start like cursing you. They start, you know, it's like a boss battle. Like you're about to defeat them as, you know, as you build your case and as you gain credibility. I mean, it's from the same people who make the Street Fighter franchise who made it originally Capcom. So they even throw some of the sound effects in there. It, it's really funny. But my point is that I was really kind of channeling this style of action when I was writing Sirius and Lemnick, that you will kind of have this tension as somebody builds their argument, as somebody kind of um, loses stamina, <laughs> if you will, as the debate goes on, then you'll see that that's how a lot of the action takes place. And I thought, I thought that would be a cool way to, to put it into the novel.
So as you can see, action takes takes many different forms in the novel. I combine Asian and American act action sequences along with debates in order to entertain the reader while still making them consider the issues that are on display in the novel. So, yeah, what are some of the issues, of course? Um, I'll just say a few. Technology, kind of this philosophical argument about humanism, capitalism, of course, um, and how they affect, all these things affect us as people and as humans. And while some of this stuff might be see like, seem like, oh, who cares about that? Um, what does it matter to me? I think it matters a lot right now. <laughs> Because, you know, one of the big themes in the in the book is AI, artificial technology, artificial intelligence, excuse me. And I feel like it's already here. You know, people are waiting for the Skynet and the Terminator thing, but it's, it's not going to be that. You know, right now I'm reading a book by an Air Force Academy classmate of mine. His, ma his name is Michael, Michael Kanan. I think it's Michael Kanan. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right, but... I'm reading his book right now called T-AI, I have it in my hands, and it's a really good book that talks about the background, the foundations, and just kind of the future of artificial intelligence in just around the world, and he talks about how important it is for everyday people, not just artificial intelligence engineers or people that are programming this stuff, but everyday people to understand what artificial intelligence is and how it could and will affect their lives in the future. I feel like it's going to, it is already affecting us, but it's going to affect us so much more than we, than we could ever imagine. And we need to have firm who we are as people to make sure that when we're designing these systems, when we're coding them, for the things that we want them to do for us, that they are used to their maximum benefit. That they're not programmed for uh, implicit bias or racism or, you know, to be against certain people and better for others. Like, we need to make sure that we're prepared for that future. So I know it's pretty heavy, heavy stuff, but it's also very important because right now, there are people as we as I speak, as you watch listen to this, that are designing and programming those algorithms and machines of the future that are going to dictate how our lives play out in a major way. So of course, none of these, you know, artificial intelligence, all this stuff, none of these things are easy to think about or really solve. You don't you don't really solve them, you know, because they're always kind of evolving as far as issues, but. You, you, you get a, you understand them and then you get ahead of them. And I think that makes the future better for all of us or it will. So through the debates, through the action, my intent was to have the readers think about maybe which characters that they relate to as far as what side of the argument they are. They're on and maybe think about what side, not what side, but how they want to think about the issue just like I say to my students all the time in my math class like the important thing is to think it's not to necessarily get the answer right but it's to think about what it is 
that you know what it is we're studying in my math class it's math but in the case of Sirius and Limnik, it the issues are a little bit deeper than that it's all about the lesson in the end and I hope that readers walk away thinking about these issues because like it or not they will affect how the world of the future will be constructed which means it indirectly affects them as well Music for the Sirius and Limnick podcast was provided by Ryan Fonger. For more information about Sirius and Limnick, visit keithhayden.net and subscribe or follow at kh underscore author on Twitter. For future episodes, subscribe and follow the Sirius and Limnick podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as the Amazon Music app.